0: All right, guys, today we have a great, amazing, hilarious, funny guy. Now, I know I say that all the time, and that's just who I am because I love comedy. I'm a comedy nerd, and I hope that these videos help you guys out on your comedy career. That's the whole point of me interviewing people. Yes, I get to interview them. Yes, I get to talk to them, and it's so much fun, but I'm hoping that it helps you. So do me a favor and put a comment below and tell me what thing in your comedy career is holding you back what's the thing stopping you from progressing what do you need to know to move forward what's that one question that one thing that's stopping your growth so i can help you right i can find somebody if i can't do it i can ask somebody who's done it and get that information passed on to you please also like subscribe click the bell all that stuff so that i can make sure that i can help you turn your funny into money so let's get to the interview with michael palisak all right here we go everybody thank you for coming back to the comedypreneur show i'm james creviston today we have an amazingly funny hilarious guy he's one of my favorite people he he does just the one thing just the one thing is all that he does um that's actually a favorite bit around my house just the one thing uh, (laughs) so please give it up for the very hilarious michael palisak of last comic standing that's probably where most of you guys know from michael welcome to the to the uh show
1: thanks thanks for having me
0: how many people come up to you and ask you about that joke or use that line to you is that pretty awesome
1: um I, I don't know i appreciate you doing it though it makes me feel good
0: so <laughs> i i love it actually anytime my kids get in trouble sometimes my daughter my one of my daughters will be like i just did the one thing and i was like, <laughs> 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 like I that's great do that. how do you know
1: i want to yeah if you quote a comedian a comedian you have to let them out of it yeah. if you're a dad like, yeah exactly right <laughs> good job <laughs> unless it's so, like Richard Pryor or something like you shouldn't say that
0: actually if Mike well yeah you're right if kids are older and they did the Richard Pryor jokes you would probably be like all
1: right yeah okay yeah
0: but I, lo- I love Richard Pryor stuff so one of
1: my friends told me uh when he was in college he used to do Dane Cook's J- Dane Cook jokes for his theater class like that as a like a performance or whatever like his teacher would like let him do them to like as a break or whatever and uh he like, emailed Dane Cook that story and told him, he's like, hey, I'm, I do your stuff in class because I love you and I don't want to you know, be like you. And he got a letter from Dane Cook's lawyer. <laughs> that
0: is terrible. Well, I, if someone repeats my jokes back to me, actually, I knew that I was actually funny when a kid like three months later after a show I had done, came up to me and repeated a joke to me. So then I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'm, I'm in. I, I made it, you know, like. And
1: Dan Cook's defense, he might have just been being really funny. Like, that could just be a really funny thing
0: to do. <laughs> so, can you kind of tell everybody uh, your comedy history career? Like, how you got started and wh- what you've kind of gone through? Because most people will probably know you from Last Connect kind of Fan. It's probably the biggest thing where, like, you've had, the, you know, most people would know you, right?
1: Hmm. Yeah. Um. So, I started out in Chicago. My parents moved there when I was... Like 18, and uh, I didn't know anybody when I was home from college in the summers. And so I just uh, started going to open mics because I wanted to do stand up, and it was great. It was a really good community in the suburbs of comedians that were like already like hosting and starting to feature at clubs. And uh, I got to learn from them. And then when I finished college, I just moved back home and lived there and did stand up in Chicago for. A while and then moved to LA a couple years and, like, you know, after that.
0: And what was the process of you going from starting stand up and and then what made you want to move from Chicago to LA? Like, what was that? How did you know you were ready for
1: (laughs) it? Yeah, I never had like a feeling of like, oh, I want to move to a specific city. I I felt like doing clubs in the Midwest was great and I started to do colleges and uh, make a living. So, but I got a manager after doing a couple festivals and uh, he was in LA and I was going on auditions. Um, I was going on tape for stuff and he was just like, you should just come out here for a month. So I did that and then uh, just stayed.
0: And then what was that like uh, doing festivals and like ending up on, on last comic standing? Like, what's that like to do competitions, competitions at festivals? I mean, it must be nerve wracking because when you get up on stage, it's just like, Oh, you're performing for everybody. But now there's this added pressure of, this could make or break me.
1: It was about four year or three years after being out of college. So then I first started having success in contests and uh, like good ones. And I think like my main theory was, I think the benefit of being a young comedian and going into those festivals, is like you're used to doing a lot of open mics and showcases. So you just are able to work out getting those jokes and hosting at clubs so you're able to see like okay these are the jokes that uh that work when i'm hosting at a at a bad show so it's like these are the jokes if you're doing a good show or if you put them back to back you can really kill and so i just really tried to put as much into like that three to five to seven minutes that i possibly could and uh and I, i did uh my the comic club in chicago had a festival that i won and then uh, our contest that I won in the summer was a Taste of Chicago. It was like an outside comedy show, but it was in a tent and the people were really good. And I remember the I, there was like shows every hour and I like advanced on a Thursday or something in the morning. And I just asked the booker if I could just do sets all day because like, and just not because they didn't have enough comedians to compete at every show and just sort of not move on just because I already moved on. And, and he was like, oh yeah. And I really got to learn I felt comfortable, more comfortable on stage. I got to learn like, how it worked, and I think that helped me in that contest. And then because I won that one, I got to do one for the, the comedy festival in Las Vegas, and, and uh, it was a similar thing where I did like the set that I thought would do really well, but also there was a little bit of luck. Uh, my mom has a lot of family in Chicago, and two weeks before that show, there was like a wedding and a funeral and everybody was like "When well, we you we want to do a show so like probably like 15 of my f- family were at this contest in zanies in chicago and it only holds like 140 people and so i looked really well it looked really good and the i was the only so well that was a different one so no that was the same one so i, I was at this uh i was the only one that worked zany's a good amount other there was, it was me and hannibal and uh and so the the guy that was running the light just didn't light me also because he was just like oh michael's doing this <laughs> i just kept going i mean i probably i stopped at like 12 minutes or whatever but it was like it's definitely like a home field advantage type thing um and then there was so that was actually the comedy central one and then the las vegas one was also um in chicago and i, I sort of won those and uh, after those three, that's when I got representation and a comedy uh, college agent. And it wasn't until six or seven years after that, that last comic standing came around. That was like the first intro to contests. And I think and that was my goal, just to make as much comedy happen in those first couple of minutes. Or like just slam it all together. and and uh, And it was fun. And you can't really control a lot of it because sometimes like I got lucky that it was at a club that I knew or I got to do shows there all day, but you can control some of it. And I've always just tried to control everything I could control.
0: So what would you say you, that comedians could try to control or should try to control? So it sounded like the crowd, but then you also said, Oh, I'll just stay and stand up all day. And so then. It be- yeah.
1: So having family there is obviously going to do it helpful. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I, ne- I never like tried to do that, but it just worked out. And I think that was a bonus because sometimes I think, yeah. I think the thing that you can't control is your joke. So if like you're getting ready to go to a festival or contest, just running that set a ton and, and uh, whatever sets your whatever your plan is, because sometimes you have multiple rounds. Uh, and I think that's, and just being really honest with yourself, of, like this is what works and believing in yourself. I remember one time I did a, a contest. I did laughing skull, I think the first year and yeah. And I did, there were a couple rounds And the first couple rounds, you didn't have to win every round, but I I happened to get first the first couple rounds. And then in the last round, I was talking to one of the someone who wasn't a judge, but he was like a booker who was just there. And he was like, It's always good to open with your like, uh, or close with your strongest joke. And I was always opening with my strongest joke because I just felt like it's a contest. Everyone feels how you're doing from the immediately the second step on stage. And so I just wanted to open really strong and then hopefully do okay. And that was my always my pretty much my theory. Like, I just want to. Kill as much as I can at the beginning and then throw in all the stuff that I think is really funny or are like more original and someone will hear that and be like, Oh, he's a good comedian too. This isn't just the crowd that for some reason likes them. And it was always easier to do those jokes after everybody was on board because I felt more comfortable. And so did they. And, um, so that was always my theory. And then, uh, also in that contest, so in the finals, I like switched it up and did like my favorite joke last and it just like, I didn't do well, and I was like, oh, I should probably – even if he was right, I probably shouldn't have changed unless I really believed did. So,
0: yeah. yeah, my theory is always open with your best joke and close with your second best joke. Yeah. Everything else in between, w- whatever.
1: Yeah, I would even maybe go as far in like a contest, especially in the first round, open with your best joke, do your second best joke second, and just close on a joke that you know hits and maybe has like two punchlines in a row. That builds a little bit. Because yeah. if you have everybody by that point, it's going to look really good regardless. Um, so that was my first intro to like contests and it went well and it was fun. And then um, Last Comic Standing came around when they started going to 100 comedians. So I never really got to do the thing. I did. The, I stood out in the rain or whatever and tried to audition and it didn't work out. But I got to do the thing where you go audition in front of just the producer can come to the show and the first year i uh i i was like an alternate and i ended up getting to do it but i did i did the first episode i didn't move on at all russell peters told me that like i didn't sound like who i am on stage in real life and i think part of the reason was in those shows i was like i'm gonna do my earliest stuff first and the second round i'll do like second and then i'll like the third round i'll just have I just wanted to open with my oldest stuff because that's what I thought would be good and that made me feel like oh that wasn't a good idea because I'm not that same person so even though I disagreed with Russell, I thought I was funny and shouldn't got um so then the next year i uh so that whole season happened it was uh rodman's year, and uh, I went to the rap party because everybody got invited, which I was recommend doing because I ran into the executive producer page and I was just like really I was just, like, oh thanks for having me or whatever and she she i could tell that she felt like um bad that they didn't use me at all in the show because not only did i didn't make it they didn't even use my stuff on the show and i was f- completely fine with it you know i i just felt like when it happens it happens and i've been lucky enough to be on tv before that um so it wasn't like this is my only credit that i needed uh but she was like we'll use you next year we'll definitely use you next year just do it next year. And i was like oh that's great so uh i got to audition again for the next year and it was that like uh the improv in Hollywood, I think on a Wednesday or Thursday night, at like 10 30 PM, like horrible time. And I like, I don't know, for some reason I had these jokes that I thought were really good, but they didn't necessarily hit with the Thursday at 10:30 crowd at all. And then like, sometimes the room was tight. So I just did my set and she was there. I don't know if she saw it. They're taping it. And, uh, and I never heard anything. It was like, that was like September. And then people started getting callbacks and all of a sudden I never heard anything. And I didn't really worry about it because I believed her. I thought that they were going to use me and it wasn't a big deal. And uh, it got to be like February. It was like March. I th- that, um, Dave Landau was uh, going to feature on the Sunday because he had never worked at a club before. Dave Landau was very funny, but he wanted to get in the club. So he was going to feature. And I was just talking to him before the show. And he was. I asked him about Last Comic Stand if it was happening again. And he was like, oh, yeah, I think it's happening like, next week and I was like, oh, okay, and he went on before me, just destroyed, and I couldn't follow him, and, uh, but then, like, that night, or the next day, I emailed the assistant to the producer, and was like, hey, uh, Paige told me I could do the show, and I haven't heard anything, and, uh, I just was wondering when I should be there, or whatever, like, here's my, I'd lo- I'd, look, I'd done, like, Conan that year, so I just, like, something, nothing, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, we have something fall. Follow- you can do Friday, and that happened to be, like, some some people found out they were doing the show in December and they were working out their sets for months, and I just found out a couple days before. And so I did, I think it was worked to my advantage because I wasn't able to overthink it. So I was just like, these are the sets I have, and it was three minutes, and I just I knew from what they told me before, and the kind of like a theory that I had was like, instead of opening with my strongest joke, I'm gonna open with like my strongest. Newest joke, like not like new, like that week or that month, but maybe that year or two. So it was like a judge couldn't see me and be like, Hey, you're not being yourself. You sound like a character. Because it was like, This is something that I was doing. And then I could go into older jokes because then I already was talking in this new voice that was who I was. And I started, I did that and it went really well in the first round. Um, but since I didn't know I was doing it, I was I already had booked work on, on the road. So I like flew and did the show on Friday. And, um, I had a show Thursday night and I remember I had to, uh, get there for the, the award, like the, the rules meeting at like 10 a.m. in, in Burbank. And I'd done it the year before, so I just thought if I was late, it wasn't a big deal. But I was texting the producer, like the lady that was setting it up the night before. And she's like, oh yeah, if you're not here for that, you can't do it. It's against the law for you to be here if you don't go to this this rules thing. So I like bought a flight that night that got into Burbank at like nine rather than LAX at like nine thirty, and like just got my stuff and flew to LA and, uh, and then flew back that night or it's, uh, Saturday morning. I took Friday off and did the show and then I moved on. So I did the shows in Chicago Saturday and Sunday and then flew back to LA Monday for the show, the second round. And then did the second round and third round and then we all got to break and then came back and did the end the next week.
0: Wow. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So if a comedian's building a set to try to get noticed for things like that, what would be like, if you were going to do that process again, say someone told you, Hey, Michael, we're going to put you on the biggest show in the world. This is yeah. your big shot. What would you recommend to set that up to kind of prepare yourself? I mean, I know we did talk about your best joke, maybe your second best, yeah. joke, but how, how would you kind of build that set?
1: Well, I always felt too more important even than your best joke is your joke that only like not only you could tell but that really told people about you like I've always been pretty much talking about my life, so it's kind of easy to find like oh, this is a joke about living with my parents this is a joke about having a girlfriend or whatever whereas like people see you as a person and they kind of get to know you a little bit and I always thought that was kind of important and showed like your original perspective um I always felt like. I was lucky in the sense that I didn't feel like someone would see me and be like, Oh, we've seen this before a ton of times or whatever, just for whatever reason. Um, So I wasn't super worried about it. I just wanted to pick the joke that worked a lot. And that was about me. So I just felt like if you can open with stuff that's really funny and also about yourself, then that could be really good.
0: And when you say about yourself, are you saying like looks or like just something general? on? I
1: never open with anything about my looks, but just about like what's going on in your life or something like biographical about you or about, like I had a joke about going to my girlfriend's, boyfriend's, girlfriend's ex-boyfriend's wedding. I'm open with one of those jokes. I opened with um, one of the years I opened with, uh, I don't remember. Maybe. Yeah. So just stuff that's like personal that only you could tell.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, My opening joke, I think we met at the queen comedy challenge uh, in, in uh, Pasadena. Yeah. So my opening joke was about uh, dating my wife and how um, she's smart and beautiful, but she's like partially blind and a little slow. <laughs> like, judges did not like that joke they like they're not like people hated me right off the bat like i was to like, of the handicapped people but it was just like this really funny bit where my wife literally is blind like she has to wear glasses for everything she's the smartest person i know but she's just always like kind of off in whatever yeah you know? and they hated it they hated that joke so bad like three different judges were like people hate you for that joke and i'm like that doesn't make any sense like this is <laughs> like real like i'm not
1: I'm yeah not- that's not fair i guess it is like that's a good warning to know if you're doing jokes about yourself. Um, other people might have a different perspective on it than you do. So just to be aware of that. Um, yeah. Because you are making fun of a disabled person, James. That's something that <laughs> you're <good. laughs> to open up your set.
0: <laughs> so. oh, that's, that, is, well, that is one off-putting thing. I changed that joke. I don't <laughs> open with that joke anymore. Actually, I don't know. if I haven't done that joke in about a year now. Because- What's good about that joke,
1: though, I feel like it's a very original experience. And if you're worried about them having that that thing you can just change the wording of it or put it and put it later so people know that you're not hating on disabled people as a career yeah. um
0: <laughs> yeah and what's funny is that joke in a club kills like right away because it lets you know that i am i'm an idiot like yeah. I, you know, have to date down and i'm not really a cool guy or <laughs> and like just that kind of thing and you know and but i still am grateful that anyone would date me so it's like that kind of whole <laughs> contest and people love that but then when i did that competition people were like "Ooh, how dare you and i was like really like
1: well also i think sometimes it depends on judges i feel like the judges of that contest are more traditional yeah like stand-up judges whereas like sometimes you might not find that so yeah, yeah. And
0: what do you what do you think should should i just saw this the other day in a special um someone opened with a joke and then at the the very last joke they did was a callback like yeah joke. do you like that style or is that not something that you recommend oh do you-
1: i do like it i i remember when i did last comic and moved on my first set it was only supposed to be three and a half minutes and i had a my second joke i had a, a closer closing line that called back my first or second joke and I heard that the judges criticized other com- another community that did that because they're like, it's only three and a half minutes. So you don't have to call anything back. And I, I had like, I've heard a late night producer be like, this isn't a poem. You don't have to bring it all together or whatever. But um, I don't know. I think like I, I was watching a, a special recently and there was a bunch of callbacks to, throughout the set to the point where it felt like too, I don't want to say too easy, but like it did, it seemed like I wasn't learning as much about the person because they were just having all of these callbacks, which were great, but it it just seemed sort of mathematic versus like some something that um, was supposed to be more real and flowing or whatever. So I think you can do too many or ones that aren't as, you know, surprising. But I I think if you can close on a really strong joke that has a callback. That's the thing, too. I feel like if you have a joke that's really funny on its own, then you don't have the callback, then that's a good sign. Because then you can add the callback, and it makes it a really good joke. But if you just have a joke that all it is is the callback, and you can still use it as a closer in a contest or whatever, and it might be perfect. But I think, like, maybe you just make sure try it out to make sure it just works still, and it's not just like we're trying to force in a callback. Because you want, still want to have the best jokes in there. Gotcha yeah and
0: what is your writing process or what is your process with coming up with new material i mean you're on the road a lot so you probably work material in between your set like new jokes every yeah but what's your process of getting new material
1: yeah one of my friends um uh tommy johnigan is really funny and when he was in chicago he, he used to do a lot of free writing and that always inspired me to like free write more we just sort of write whatever you sit down and make sure you write for like an hour just into a notebook and like i've heard of like Stephen King, like, I, like it's it's a known thing to free write, um, but I just started doing that pretty regularly, I do it less now, probably, like, once or twice a week, but I just fill up a notebook, and then, at the end, when the notebooks full, I go back and read it, and I try to find premises, and then I just try those out on stage, and I th- there's a little bit of, like, at some point, I'm forcing myself to try stuff out, like, if I'm doing a week at a club, I'll, like, okay, I have to do a new joke. Uh, this week that I'm going to work on all week or have to do like a new kind of joke every day and just try to get something out of it. And I think uh, sometimes it's not good cause it's not funny, but I think in a headlining set, um, Tommy also gave me that advice. Like if you, you can open with something new cause they give you, you're doing 45 minutes. But you're the last person. So I feel like if you bomb your first two or three minutes, and then go into like your killer set, they're going to forgive you right away and it could work even to your advantage. So I just try to put it in there. Um, Also, like I have a son now, like I said, you might hear him in the background. He doesn't want to take a nap. And uh, when he was really little, (laughs) even now I would, uh, I didn't have time to like sit down and free write or do the whole process. So I found that I could just talk, tell him my jokes when I was up with him and uh, just talk them out, just do them over and over and over again to him for hours and hours and hours and, uh, find new lines to the joke. And then when he wasn't like, I could go and write them down once I set them down. And so I started doing that. Like when I was driving, I would just do my jokes. And then if I would thought of a new part of a joke, I would just try to remember that joke until I got to where I was going and then write it down and just sort of actively, uh, write a lot more often. And so I think that was helpful. And then like sometimes Facebook and Twitter, I would have a a line that I put out there and then, Try to turn that into a joke. I think the biggest thing that I've learned from teachers and just stand up is like, if you have ideas that you like, that's great. But the commitment to working on the idea is what makes the joke uh, what it is. And I think um, I was watching an interview with Seinfeld one time, and he was talking about how like comedians just don't pursue it far enough. Like they don't. So I started taking jokes that worked. And just trying to make them bigger and longer, and just sort of free writing around the punchline I already had, and uh, and that seemed to be really, it felt really good because I was like, oh, I'm, I could see myself making it. It wasn't just like I had a notebook on me; I was writing down an idea. And also, uh, it it was just a process. And I think sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes I do that with a joke, and I get nothing or very little, or or sometimes it, there's just nothing that comes. But I think um, trying make you better and also uh you just have to do it you know that's our job
0: awesome and do you you handwrite that or do you type stuff
1: oh yeah so i have one of these i have a book that's like this size for like when i do my sets that's another thing i'll do i'll like listen to a set and uh every anytime there's a punchline where i feel like there could be a tag i'll just like pause it and just try to write that tag right there um i'll go back and try to write them and i'll put all my sets in like a or not all, but all the ones I try to think of in a notebook like this and all my like writings. And then my free writing notebooks are like a little bit smaller. And then I have a tiny notebook that fits yeah. in a pocket. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. Right, well, where can people find more about you? Where can they see more of your comedy and stuff? Like I know everything's kind of shut down, but where can they find more stuff about you?
1: Yeah. So just recently I started doing YouTube videos called The Bright Side, where I take something that people complain about and I try to find the positives of it. And that. you can just like look up uh, my YouTube page or just type in The Bright Side michael Palsack and uh that'll come up and then i have a website it's michael com, which is hard to spell but
0: okay
1: cool yeah so my website in there and then um i have an album and a dry bar special coming out at the end of the month so
0: the album and the dry bar special come out at the end of the month
1: so the drive our special is called 1984 and it should come out at the end of April as long as things go as planned. And then the album we haven't gotten a release, a release date yet. So I'd say sometime in the next couple months.
0: Awesome. Well, congratulations. Yeah. amazing. Thanks, Thanks
1: man. Thanks.
0: I appreciate you taking your time out with me and, uh, I'll, I, this is awesome. Thank you.
1: Yeah. No problem.
0: Woo. How good was that video guys? Right. I love Michael Palasek. He's like one of my favorite people. I told you I would fanboy out. I told you I did. I told you I would. I I wasn't going to lie to you about that. But I learned so much in there. His career has been through so many ups and downs. He learned so much. He grew every step of the way, right? He just got better at comedy, started doing more things, competing more often. And a lot of times, even as he said, it kind of just happened to be the right place at the right time. So one of those things that you need to figure out is where is that going to be for you? What are you going to do to change your trajectory of your comedy career? Where are you going to go? So I hope that these videos, the interviews, all the stuff that I make it for you helps you guys out. So please like, subscribe, click the bell, get more stuff, and let me help you turn your funny into money. Thanks, guys. work.